No more. There'll be nothing to pray about in heaven. So you better pray now. Pray while you're on earth. Amen. Pray for those, pray for those grandbabies. Pray for those loved ones. Pray for those people that you know that don't know the Lord. Pray for them. Amen. Sweet hour of prayer. Whew. How much better Christians we'd be. We'd spend sweet hour in prayer. Amen with him. <clears throat> Thank you for that, Pastor Alex. Thank you, Miss Robin, uh, for filling in today. And I miss when Miss Heidi and Miss Robin are working together over there. Amen. And uh, I love the, the flute and the mix of the piano. But Miss Heidi's got babies, too, to take care of. And uh, I never forget that about our staff. They're also moms and dads. And, and uh, I appreciate so much. Miss Heidi's like, oh, which one of us should be out today? I said, you be home with your babies. Amen. And uh, Pastor Alex ain't going to love on those babies like she is, amen? And uh, so, praise the Lord. Thank you, Miss Robin, for your ministry to us today. This is our, our sixth message out of Hebrews chapter 11. It's commonly known as the Hall of Faith. We entitled this series, Lord, Increase Our Faith. And we started off uh, uh, six weeks ago, and we're looking at the explanation of faith in verses 1 through 3 of Hebrews chapter 11, the, the differentiation of faith, the description of faith, the decoration of faith, and the deduction of faith in verse number 3. You say, what does faith deduce? I'll tell you what it deduces, that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, that everything we see around us was made. We're going to talk about that in tonight's message. We look at the communication of God. But then we begin looking at the different characters that we see here in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. We started with the faith of Abel and we looked at the, the way and the worth and the witness and the wonder of his faith. And you say, what's the wonder of his faith that Abel lived all those years ago? He was the second son of Adam and yet he being dead, yet speaketh. And then we looked at the faith of Enoch, that interesting character who walked with God and pleased God and was rewarded by God. You say, what was his reward? He was translated or taken up from earth that he should not see death. And it's such an interesting uh, character. And then we looked at the faith of Noah. I think most of us that have been in church at all, if you, you've gone to Sunday school as a little child, you know Noah. And uh, Noah, we learned some things about Noah, very practical to our day. By the way, Jesus did say, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the, the Son of Man. And we, we learned that Noah received the warning of God, and he walked with God, and he moved with the fear of God, and he preached the Word of God, and he obeyed the voice of God, and he saved a people for God with his family, and he condemned the world by God. Because he had faith and obeyed God. And then last week in our message, our first of two parts here, we started with the faith of Abraham. The faith of Abraham. And we talked about how Abraham started off by listening to God's promise. You remember when God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees in Genesis chapter 12, and God simply said, I want you to leave where you are and go to a place that I'm going to tell you of. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, that takes listening. I, again, I've mentioned this, I mentioned this last week. I think that God is still speaking. By the way, uh, I'm not talking about out loud, I'm not talking about in mysterious ways. I'm talking about through His Word, through, through the, the, the promptings that the Word of God gives. I believe He's still speaking, but sometimes it's so loud in our lives 
that we can't listen. Uh, we, we just had uh, Eric's um, uh, in Luke's basketball tournament. They, they're playing a homeschool uh, group here in Jackson. There's a big homeschool tournament, 250 uh, teams up there in, in Mount Pleasant. And, and by the way, Eric's team made it to the state finals. They're going to play in two weeks in, in the state final, uh, which is really neat for 14U. But uh, I remember when we first went up a couple of years ago, uh, we, there, there's a pool area. And when you have all these kids... And they all congregate in the pool, Miss Lori. It's a little loud. And I, this is my, my, I've done this for several years now, is I'll bring a book and I have, Brother Al, some noise-canceling headphones. One of, the, one of the few things I've ever bought for full price was a pair of Bose noise-canceling headphones. And I want to tell you this, it was worth every penny in that pool area, amen, as I'm sitting there, and somebody snapped a picture of me with my feet up in my book, and they said, some homeschool parents are smarter than others, amen. I said, can I, can I tell you something? Some of us need to put on our spiritual noise-canceling headphones every now and again, Daily. Just, by the way, that's why a lot of people, myself included, think the best time to get along with God is at the beginning of the day, because it's quiet. I know all I can hear is snoring early in the day, amen? And I won't mention whether it's my dog or my teenagers, amen? I certainly wouldn't say it's my wife. I'm moving right along now, amen? So listening to God's promise, but then also living by God's promise. It's one thing to listen to God. It's another thing to live for God. You know, remember what James said in James 1.22? He said, be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. It's not enough. Listen, I'm thankful. I'm thankful for our church. I'm thankful for our membership. I had somebody asking me uh, questions about our church yesterday. Matter of fact, a missionary's wife and was just asking me about what's happening here, how things are going and all that. And I'm thankful. I believe we're growing. I, uh, it doesn't look it now because we have so many people out sick, but we really are. But listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody who comes here and listens to the sermons are responsible to live the sermons. By the way, including the one delivering the sermon. Abraham listening to God's promise, but Abraham also living by God's promise. We talked about his separation, his participation. You know what he had to say, Brother Stark? He had to say, when God said, I want you to leave your family, I want you to go out in the land, I'll show you. He said, yes, sir. And he did it right away. And then we talked about how in uh, really verse number 10, we find him looking for God's promise. And how it's a forward look. It says there, such a great verse. It says, For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That he, he, he lived in those tents and those tabernacles. He, he said, I'm not tied to this world anymore. I'm looking for that world to come. And we talked about his, that look of anticipation and <clears throat> direction and vision. It was not only a, a forward look, but it was an upward look. Hey, you know what, ladies and gentlemen? This world's not our home. Don't ever forget that. Don't ever forget that. This world is not our home. We're just passing through. I want to say this as we move into this second message on Abraham here. There are none of God's children that are exempt from trials and testings while we walk here on earth. Many times, the greater the trial the greater the Christian 
after the trial. M.R. DeHaan, the great preacher out of Grand Rapids, he was a medical doctor. He said this, thinking about the three Hebrews that were cast into the burning fiery furnace in Daniel chapter 3, he said this, little furnaces are for little faith. The greatest compliment that God can pay us is to heat the furnace to the utmost in our lives. I think of a man that I've mentioned many times and who many of you, I don't think any of you know except for uh, Brother Jim Boston and Miss Kim and uh, my wife, and that is a man named Phil Tharp. Phil Tharp was... Uh, those of you that have, we, we've had uh, last year for our missions conference, we had Brother Darren Tharp with us, and he's Phil Tharp's oldest son. And then we've had all three brothers come for revival, uh, Darren and Eric, who is my pastor, Eric Tharp, and then Russell Tharp, who pastors up in Central Lake, Michigan. We've had them come for revival. They sing and uh, preach the paint off the walls, and then we have to repaint the auditorium after they leave. And uh, just wonder, they're, they're just great, all three of them, great pastors, but I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. Their daddy was the greatest of all of them. Their daddy was a wonderful man of God. He got saved when he was 30 years old and went to Bible college with six kids. Literally packed them in the back of the station wagon when you could do that, when it was still legal, amen? Uh, didn't have to have car seats. Just, just throw them all back there, pin the luggage around them, they'll be fine, Amen. And he went to Bible college, and, and, and he, he obviously he struggled through Bible college because he had six children to provide for and, and a wife and all that. And then, uh, for whatever reason, God brought him to small churches, small, struggling churches. And he would just, forgive me, ladies and gentlemen, beat his brains out, reaching people and helping people. He was just the kind of man who would absolutely give you the shirt off his back and then his first wife was diagnosed with brain cancer a very debilitating type of brain cancer and you know what he did uncle joe he resigned his pulpit to take care of his wife full time and his three youngest children were at home with him russell and althea who's a missionary to brazil and their daughter, Patty, three young children, no income, a, a sick wife, and whenever they needed something, they would pray. He would get down on his knees with his children, and they would pray for the heating bill, and they would pray for groceries, and they would pray, and, you, and it was amazing how things came. People stopped by the door and dropped off some money. People, and listen, he, they, they all knew, the church knew that his wife was ill. And this dear man, this, and by the way, this dear woman, this saintly, godly woman, she passed away. He buried his wife after 25 years. And I know others have had to do it. And he got back into the ministry, and God gave him a wonderful second wife who had also been, she was a widow, and uh, they were together for many years, and that was when I met him. He was pastoring a church in Goodrich, Michigan, and 
and he was one of my instructors at Bible college, and he always used to, he had so many great phrases that he would say. He would always say, life is what happens when you have something else planned. He would say this, he would say, your trials can make you better or bitter, but the choice is up to you. Our last year of Bible college, Carrie and I were getting ready to graduate, and I was taking two classes at that time with Pastor Tharp. I took Philippians with him. I took Christian home with him, which was a great class. Half the class was how to find a spouse from the Bible, you know, just the kind of person to look for. And I was like, hey, you know, Carrie and I were in that class together as we're already married. Can we test out? Amen. Can we, can we finish this class? Amen. Because we got that one. Amen. But it was a blessing. Well, the, the final year we were there, we were taking Daniel and Revelation with him in back-to-back periods. And at the very end of the semester, he got pneumonia, and his mother passed away. He went to his mother's funeral, and he got a flu shot. And he contracted something called Guillain-Barre syndrome. They, again, they don't know for sure. Nobody knows in these things why you get it, but it wasn't long after the flu shot. Plus, he had pneumonia, which is obviously a, a, a gateway for something like that. Within 24 to 48 hours, he went from this iron little man to completely paralyzed, where he had to be intubated. And he had a trach and was in a hospital bed for 18 months. When he came out, his arms were, he had these forearms, these Popeye forearms. Miss Kim, they were as flat as my hand, all atrophied from bed, from being in the bed that long. His palate was frozen. So he talked like this. It's hard for a preacher to talk like this. And he, I'm telling you, that guy, he just kept going. He just kept going. He came back to the church, and the church had been so kind to him, but yet they, in this period they turned on him. They said they didn't want him anymore to be their pastor. And literally, they removed him. They had a business meeting with people that hadn't been to church in months or even years and removed him. And I remember being so angry. I saw him at that time. I was so angry. If there was somebody from that church that came by, I'm telling you, the Bible says a pastor's not supposed to be a striker, but bless God, I wanted to be. And I remember, he, you know what he said? Brother Merkling, he said, these people have been good to me. They haven't had a pastor for 18 months. It's time to get another pastor. I thought to myself, why do you have to be so spiritual? Amen? Don't be so godly. I need you to be carnal right now and help me out a little bit. He kept going and he kept going. He moved in with his son Darren over in Ionia. They got him a little apartment. He would preach out, tell people his story through Gillian Beret. He'd go soul winning in his wheelchair. He had one of those little rascal wheelchairs. He'd always run into you with it. Oh, sorry about that. 
He goes soul winning. I kid you not. This, this was his line. He would send his wife to the door. He, you know, sometimes you can't get up to the door. Send his wife to knock on the door. And this was his line. My husband is crippled and he would like to talk to you about something. That was his line. He said, who's going to refuse that? <laughs> he said people would come down and he, he, had, he carried gospel tracts in his pocket. And he'd say, reach in there and take out a piece of paper. He said one time he accidentally has his credit card in there. and The lady pulled out his credit card. He said, hey, put that back. Amen. He just, he just kept going. All these trials and trials and trials and trials. And, and you know how this good man passed away? He missed his walker. He was reaching for his walker. And he missed it. And he fell and broke his hip. And an embolism went up to his lung. And he passed away. And every time I think of trials and testings, and I think about different things that you've gone through, and I think about different things that I go through, I always think of Phil Thark. And I think about how well he passed God's tests. The life of Abraham illustrates faith in God in times of great trial and testings from God. Galatians 3.9 says, So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. Look, if you would, at Hebrews chapter 11. And let me just give you the, the message today, the outlines. Notice with me, first of all, the thrill of Abraham's faith. The thrill of Abraham's faith. We, we see it in verses 11 and 12 here. It says, Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky in multitude and as the sand which is by the seashore in numerous... What was the, the thrill of Abraham's faith? Well, when they left Ur of the Chaldees and, and he, he left on the basis of the promise of God and God took care of him as he, he trusted in God. But we see under that the, the idea of the thrill of Abraham's faith. We see the frailty of man. Think about this, ladies and gentlemen. Sarah is 90. And Abraham is nearly a hundred. Sarah, ladies, is well past the years where ladies have the babies. And all God's ladies said. <laughs> so much so that you remember when Sarah overheard what I believe is uh, the Lord incarnate, amen, a theophany or a Christophany there in uh, uh, Genesis chapter 18 where the Lord says to Abraham, you and Sarah are going to have a baby and you hear off in the distance. <laughs> Who was that? It was Sarah laughing. Why? Because she was 89 years old. You would laugh too, ladies. We're kind of hard on Sarah sometimes. I would have laughed. Abraham laughed. And they said, hey, you, Abraham, I know you're 99, but you're going to have a, you're going to father a child. <laughs> okay. Yeah, Cotty has asked for a sister several times. We said, no. We're 50. No. Amen. 
Just think about doubling it. That's what Abraham was. So the frailty of man, we see that there in Genesis chapter 18. But then, and yet, ladies and gentlemen, little Isaac was born. Hmm? Little Isaac was born. The promised one, the one in whom God said, through Isaac, your seed, your, your seed is going to be like the sand on the seashore, going to be like the stars of heaven. That's how many you're going to have through Isaac. How about you? If you've ever been to the beach, there's a lot of sand on the seashore. If you've ever looked up, I promise you, we're looking at stars that have already flamed out. There's tons of them up there. So many more than we could ever... I love it that this, the, the telescope just keeps going deeper and deeper into space and just more and more marvelous we see that our God is. But what we see there, not only in the thrill of Abraham's faith, we see the frailty of man. We see a 90-year-old and a 100-year-old, but we also see the ability of God. Look at verse 11. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength. Who gave it to her? God. To conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age. How about this? Because she judged him faithful who had promised. That's what faith is, ladies and gentlemen. Faith is not us exercising such great belief in God. It's having a small belief in a great God. Just judging Him faithful who had promised. Faith in the God that had promised. Faithfulness to the God that had promised. Listen to me. If God has made a promise to you and He's made many, if God has made a promise to you, He has obligated Himself to keep it. See, these promises that God has given to us, these exceeding great and precious promises, they rest on the immutable character of our God. God is not a man that He should lie. Numbers 23.19 tells us. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. If hath he said it and will he not do it? That's a rhetorical question. Yes, he will. He will do what he has promised. And that's what Abraham, we look at the frailty of man, a 90-year-old and a 100-year-old having a baby, but we look at the ability of God and it happened. What is important is not the promise, but the one who makes the promise. This is where sometimes people can rightly or wrongly accuse it. You worship that book. You worship that book. Well, listen to me. The Bible does say in Psalm 138, verse 2, that God has put His Word above His own name. We don't worship the book. We worship the one who wrote the book. We worship the one who gave us these promises that we, when, I don't know about you, when you're in a valley and you, read, you ever you read in a valley, read the promise of God and be so helped. Why? Because of the promise? Yes, but because of the one who gave the promise. So the thrill of Abraham's faith is we see the frailty of man, but then we see the ability of God. What a thrill it must have been to Abraham that not only he had faith, but that that faith had spread to his wife, and that faith was seen in this little boy that was born, Isaac. Isaac. 
in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So the thrill of Abraham's faith. Secondly, look with me there in verse number uh, 13. We see the testimony of Abraham's faith. The testimony of Abraham's faith. It says here, and obviously you can go back and read uh, the previous verses uh, talking about in verse 9, it talks about how uh, he dwelled in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob and obviously Sarah here in verse 11. But verse 13 says, these all died in faith. These all died in faith. Notice with me, I see here, just, just a, a sub-point start with A here, all, all of the family. All of family, all of the family. These all died in faith. Who? His family. When Sarah died, she died in faith. When Isaac died, he died in faith. When Jacob died, he died in faith. You keep going. When Joseph died, he died in faith. And, and you can keep going through this. Listen, his family, our faith, listen to me, ladies and gentlemen, our faith must be passed on to our family. And I understand this. Oh, do I understand this. I have seen this countless times in 25 years of ministry. I have seen children push away when they get older. I want to tell you something. If you're a young person here today, you have to make up your own mind. You have to make up your own mind. Amen, church. It's a good spot for an amen. Amen. Uh, today, as we were driving, I mentioned this in Sunday school, today uh, I don't normally get to drive to church with all my children. Usually just Eric and I come a little earlier, but Eric came uh, with Pastor Brent and they rode the bus, but the rest of us were all in the car. And I said, Uncle Joe, I said, isn't it great we get to worship God together as a family today? And I said, one day you guys are going to have your own families. Katia said right away, she said, my family and I are going to church. Well, she's nine. One day she's not going to be nine anymore. One day she'll be 19, 29. The Lord doesn't return. I think it's important that we pass on our faith to our family. Hey, didn't we learn that about Noah? Listen, Noah did care enough to warn the world, but the world didn't get in the ark with him. His family did, though. Take time and and teach and train. And by the way, uh, church attendance is part of that, but you know, going out and, and you, ought to take, you, ought to, you ought to go on visitation with your kids. You ought to visit the sweet senior saints of this congregation with your children. And, say, and then when they say, Daddy, who was that person? You can talk to them. Mommy, who was that person? You talk to them and said, you know what? They helped build this church many years ago, and we're going out to visit them to encourage them and be a blessing to them. Or they were a Sunday school teacher many years ago. We're going to go and encourage. Listen, all of the family, our faith must be passed on. Best way to pass it on is by being a doer of the word. But then I love this. I, I, this. This is so encouraging. The testimony of Abraham's faith. We see all of the family, but then we see the apparent failure in verse 13. Look what it says there. These all died in faith, and there's a negative. Not having received the promises. This week, uh, just amazing, the, the spiritual battles you go through if you're going to stand for God. And, and if there's anything the devil hates, it's a pastor and a church that are standing for God. Just, just not compromising, doing, listen, I, I do my best not to be overly combative, but 
sometimes we're told to contend for the faith. And contending means contending. Amen? In boxing, the number one contender is the person next in line to fight for the title. Amen? Uh, Listen, God wants us to contend for the faith. To do that, you have to know the faith. To do that, you have to study the Bible. Amen? But I think about how people mock our faith. How people say, just show me and I'll believe. I just listened to a, a classic uh, radio program. It was, it was about, the, the whole purpose of the program was to encourage prayer uh, in the early 50s um, during the, the, um, the communist Red Scare and all that. So it's, it's interesting to listen to it and know the context of when it was put out and all that. But it was a man who was an atheist, and it was the classic atheist. You know, I, I dare God to strike me dead, you know, right here and right now if he's really alive. And of course, God doesn't work that way. But in this radio program, it turned out that, you know, he got shot during, during that. And so literally, you know, here's this guy that told God to strike him dead, and he's struck dead. God, God doesn't work that way. We, we many times don't have the answer for every argument that comes our way. Listen, you can take apologetics, and I'm all for it. By the way, apologetics is not apologizing for your faith. It's learning how to argue for your faith. Amen learning the biblical arguments. But you could take every apologetics course and some feather-headed atheist is still going to show you that all you really have is faith. You know what? That's right. Not having received the promises. I'm reminded of that wonderful story. And it is a wonderful story. It was a, a, a missionary that had spent his life on the field, him and his wife, and and uh, in Africa, and, and just just had carved out a work for God, and, and it was hard labor, and, and they would reach people, and they would you know those people would die, and, and and of course they dealt with all kinds of sickness, the African fever, and all that. And he ended up burying his wife, and then finally, after I think thirty years of ministry, he 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 just couldn't do it anymore, and he had to come home. And it was in the days where. You didn't take a plane, you took a boat. And he was coming home, and it just happened to be the same boat that former President Teddy Roosevelt was on. And Teddy Roosevelt was a man's man. He was a hunter, big game hunter. And he had gone to Africa to to hunt lions and zebras and all that other stuff. And, and, he, and here, here he comes, and, and, and they're getting off the boat, and Teddy Roosevelt gets off the boat, and there's a big brass band there. And here, you know, he comes off, and there's all this parade, and, and here's this missionary that spent his life for the Lord, and there wasn't even one person there to greet him. Not one. And he got off Miss Kim feeling pretty low. Yeah, you know, in his spirit, and don't don't fault for this. He, in his spirit, he said, "You know, I've worked all those years and labored for the Lord, and here comes a man who shot things, and they're cheering for him." And that missionary said, and the sweet Holy Ghost whispered to him, "You're not home yet. You're not home yet. All." in the family, but apparent failure as well. These all died in faith, not having received the promises. You know what? When you die, you'll not have received the promises. 
body will go in the ground, but then all of a sudden, when your spirit leaves your body, you'll receive them. And then you're just going to keep receiving them. Because when Jesus comes and calls all those bodies out, and that body that was planted in the ground is going to be raised incorruptible, Mama's body, that little boy's body that you buried, amen, going to be raised incorruptible, and then we're going to keep receiving the promises, amen. But when we die, we die in faith. That's what our study's on, faith. Believe, we just believe God. Well, you can't see God. You're right, I just believe Him. Well, you don't know that, but I just believe Him. I just believe what He said. So there's, there's this testimony of Abraham's faith, all in the family, apparent failure, but how about this, the appealing future? Verses 13 through 16. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off. How do we see them, ladies and gentlemen? We walk by faith and not by I love that in Romans where it says, the invisible things from the creation of the world are clearly seen. By faith. By faith, we understand that the world's reframed by the Word. By faith, we understand, ladies and gentlemen, as we read verse 14, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. It's not the United States, and I love the good old U.S. of A., but it's that country of heaven. It's that, it's that far away, it's that mansion over the hilltop, Amen. Verse 16, for, but now they desire a better country. That is, what kind? And heavenly. Whew. Abraham and his descendants looked out into the future by faith and were certain of the sureness of God's promises. The word embraced literally means greeted or welcomed. The picture is of a man on a ship coming to shore, and he is waving to his friends, waiting for him. Think about that. They admitted they were strangers to this world. I, listen, ladies and gentlemen, the stranger this world gets, the more I know I'm a stranger. Amen? The thrill of Abraham's faith. We see the frailty of man, but we also see the ability of God. The testimony of Abraham's faith. We see all of the family and the apparent failure and then the appealing future. And then really this text here, and I, I don't have time to really develop it like I'd like. It's, it's 12 o'clock here. I'm, I'm on time. But the test of Abraham's faith is in verses 17 through 19. We Again, we read chapter 22 of Genesis, so I know you know the story here, but Isaac was the apple of his eye. Isaac was the promised son. Isaac was the one who God had given to him as a gift at the age of 100. He was the son that had been promised. He was delivered to them. Uh, in Isaac were all his hopes and dreams and his cherished plans. No doubt he looked forward to that blessed day when God would give his beloved son a bride and then perhaps grandchildren. Would all his plans end when God said, I want you to take your son to the top of Mount Moriah and I want you to offer him as a burnt offering. I have read Genesis chapter 22 countless times. And I have often said, if you read Genesis chapter 22 without Hebrews chapter 11, it can really affect you. It can really affect, in a negative way. You just, wow, that is really, what a test. 
In Genesis 22, it, the word tempt is used. It's also translated test. God tested Abraham. By the way, God knew what he was going to do. Never forget that in that story. God knew what he was going to do. What a test. Why would God give Abraham a son so late in life and then ask him to sacrifice him? Perhaps to give us a picture of the one who so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Only he didn't stop them like he did with Abraham. Hmm? It was here and at Calvary where we see the love for a son. The Bible says in Genesis 22, 2, Take now thy son, thine only son Isaac, whom thou lovest. God paints a picture of the love of a father for his son. And oh, how God loved his son. Oh, how the father loved Jesus. But then not only love for a son, love for sinners. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. The only one who could, the only one who was pure and perfect and spotless and sinless, God gave Him. And here we have a picture of Abraham giving Isaac love for a son, love for sinners. So we see there a strange request, but we see a steadfast response. Abraham gathered up Isaac, gathered up the wood, gathered the knife, gathered the fire, uh, took, uh, I love the fact that he took Isaac up and he said to his young men, he said, the lad and I are going to worship and we'll be back. We're coming back. What happens? Abraham raises the knife to slay his son. How could he do this? The answer is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 19. Look at it with me, church. Verse 17, by faith, when Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said that in Isaac shall I see be called. Here it is. Never forget this part. Accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the what, church? From whence also he received him in a figure. He, listen, this is the faith of Abraham right here. He said, I am going to raise up seed through Isaac. You cannot raise up seed through a dead person. So when God gave him this strange test that thankfully he's not given to anybody else since besides himself and he's not going to give to anybody else this strange test, that Abraham knew when he lifted that knife to slay the burnt offering that God would have to raise him from the dead. If he were to plunge that knife, he said, God said he is going to give me seed through this child as the sand of the sea. I don't know about you, but that kind of faith is just awesome. It's awesome to think about. Again, it all goes back to two things, the promise and the promiser, the one who made the promises. He trusted God and his promise so much that he believed if he sacrificed Isaac that God would be required to raise him. That is faith. 
So there's the steadfast response, there's a strange request, and there's a stirring reply. As Abraham and Isaac were coming up one side of the mountain, Abraham looked into the thicket. Or Abraham and Isaac were coming up the mountain, and remember what Isaac said? He said, Father, he's like, we got the wood, we got the fire, we got the knife. Where's the offering? Remember what he said? God will provide himself a burnt offering. Sometimes you read that and say, oh yeah, God did. God provided a ram in the thicket, and he did. But you know what he provided for a burnt offering? Himself. When Jesus came walking to be baptized of John, John pointed at him. Remember what he said? Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. That's the offering right there. Jesus Christ is the offering. He's going to die in the place of every last soul. He is going to make the gates of heaven open for whoever would like to go in. Stirring reply. Abraham looked into the thicket and saw a thorn-crowned lamb. God said, offer it. I, I love the song. We've sung the song in our choir before. Isaac walked up the mountain his father by his side, never realizing he would be the sacrifice. And when Abraham raised his hand to take his child's life, in his heart he must have wondered why. Sometimes God will take us to unexpected places, but in every situation we will find God will provide. Beyond what we imagine, so much more than we could fathom, He will supply. God will provide when we trust in Him completely and take each step believing as a child, God will provide. On another hill called Calvary, a father's only son was offered as a priceless gift of faithfulness and love. Amidst the cry of all mankind, God reached down from above and covered us with Christ's atoning blood. No matter what our need is, God will always meet us. I know His grace will always be enough. God will provide. Beyond what we imagine, so much more than we could fathom, He will supply. God will provide when we trust in Him completely and take each step believing as a child. God will provide. Jehovah Jireh. God, my provider. The thrill of Abraham's faith. We see the frailty of man. We see the ability of God. The testimony of Abraham's faith. All of his family died in faith. Apparent failure, not having received the promises. Appealing future, for he looked for a country that is in heavenly. Then the test of Abraham's faith. A strange request. Steadfast response. And a stirring reply. God did provide Himself a lamb. If you're here today, you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Can I tell you this? He loved you enough to die and shed His blood for your sins and mine. You know, 28 years ago today, I stepped into an independent Baptist church for the first time. My hair was... If you hear my pastor tell the story, he'll say it was... Back in the choir loft, it was that long. It wasn't that long. It was, and I came in just 
I think about how kind everyone was to me and think about the first impression that was made. I came back the next week and trusted Christ as my Savior. Never been the same. My life has never been the same. Our, my pathway has never been the same. My desires have never been the same. Everything changed that day. It changed over time, thankfully. God, God's patient with us and gradual. But I think about that. If you're here and you may know a lot about Christ, but you've never trusted Christ yourself, I want to tell you, it's no accident that you're here today. And that can be boy or girl, man or woman, young or old, rich or poor. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I want to encourage you. He is waiting with open, nail-scarred arms to take you just as you are. If you're here and maybe you're going through life and maybe you're going through a testing right now, maybe you're going through a, a trial, listen to me, the God, the God who permitted the trial will be faithful to walk with you through the trial to help you through the trial. And the one who's made the promises will keep them. Maybe you're just a little far from God. A message like this, to know how much God loves you, <clears throat> can cause you to snuggle back up to His side. Maybe that would be you today. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes. <clears throat>